Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your host Sam and Alan. Hello Alan, how are you? I'm not too bad, uh, how are you? Yeah, no, all good, all good, just um, just surviving as everybody else is. Um, yeah, and just, I don't know, um, work's been picking up a bit more for me now, I don't know about you, but it's, um, I think, um, well, it's a bit quieter this week because it's half term here in the UK, so um, everybody's sort of out and about really, but but yeah, just um, things have just... I don't know. It's hard to hard to explain. I don't think things are getting back to normal. I just think, uh, I think more. Well, everything's becoming this new normal. Does that make Does that make sense? I think the longer yeah. we we go on with um, with the pandemic, that it, yeah, we just get more used to it, don't we? You know. And um, but anyway, but yeah, it's all good. Um, how about you? What have you been up to? Yeah, just working, doing some low code, no code development how dare you <laughs> <laughs> um, using logic apps and things like that um so this topic is going to be quite interesting for me because i know about it but never used it in in real. yeah yeah no well let's uh, let's start off by introducing what we're actually going to talk about so um this week um we are talking about arm templates which stand for alan uh, I'm not sure off the top of my head. <laughs> yes, uh, Azure Resource Manager templates. Um, oh, of course. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, we're going to talk about ARM templates, and we're going to talk about um, we're going. Sorry, I just put you on the spot there. I apologize. Um, we're going to talk about ARM templates, uh, why you should use them, what they're used for, um, and talk around some of the benefits of of you know maybe how we would deploy infrastructure before and how ARM templates and the whole um, ARM templates sort of sit under the infrastructure as a code sort of um, uh, technology stack. Um, so we're going to talk about infrastructure as code um, and give you just a brief, if that's something that you're not in, you know, using at the moment or you've never been exposed to, we're just going to take you on a real high level tour of, of how we see um, how we see that sort of ecosystem. Okay, so let's get started. So... What is infrastructure as a code then, Sam? Okay, so um, obviously, obviously, we've got software that's written using code, right? So we get um, our lovely, lovely programmers to write, um, you know, a software in a language of their choosing and in a technology stack of their choosing, and then you know the code that is written um, is then built into a software application, right? So um, we know because that code gets compiled into a piece of software, we know what is going to be built, right? You know, we program the computer to do what we want it to do, and we know the output because we say, we write this code to do this function, we run it through the compiler, it turns it into an application, and then we we, we kind of got a really good idea of what we're going to get out the other side of it, right? If you then take that sort of analogy and that process to infrastructure, let's talk about traditional infrastructure just quickly, actually you know, um, how you would provision traditional infrastructure and maybe even a bit of cloud, right? Because we can all jump into the portal and if we want, say, a um, a virtual machine, we can go into the Azure portal and we can click, I want a, you know, Ubuntu virtual machine and I want it to be this size and I want it to, um, you know, I want this fancy configuration inside of this network security group and X, Y, and Z. And we can go in and provision that ourselves right you know and we can at the time that we can create it we can do the configuration of that machine 
Okay. Now, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, right? You know, because at the end of the day, we're still using a technical professional's knowledge to configure that machine, and we 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 know that it's been co you know co correctly configured, right? Um, but how do we know that it's actually been correctly configured, right? How do we know that you know um, that that person uh, didn't you know that they attached the the extra SSD disk that, you know, our application needed as a cache, you know, like, how do we know that that's actually happened? And, um, and, and, you know, we can, we can write robust documentation, we can verify what's happened. Um, but that is a, it's a very manual process, right? Even though we're using the power of like a cloud, you know, platform and portal to, to, to do that configuration. Um, so infrastructure as code, as the name suggests is, um, is instead of, you know, clicking through the admin console and building these resources yourself, maybe what we could do is we could write some, and I'm using inverted, you know, commas here, code. Um, you know, obviously you can't see that because we're on a podcast. Um, we could, we could instead of manually going and doing that, we could describe our infrastructure as code. Um, and then what that would mean is, is that we could... Um, we could verify and repeatedly deploy infrastructure. So if imagine that, let's say you had a an application that needed, let's say it just needed an Ubuntu server. I'm just using that as an example because it's, it's relatively simplistic. Say you needed one of those in North America, one in Europe, and one in APAC, you know, Asia Pacific. You could go and manually create each one of those, or you could write one infrastructure code file and deploy it in each of those regions and then you would know that at least the base configuration of the machine is the same across all regions it, you know and, and this whole infrastructure as code is really just about that repeatability and being able to you know um, define your infrastructure without having to manually um, go and build anything yeah so I guess you're kind of saying as well, you know, when you do um, those virtual machine builds, as an, as the example, it's not just the virtual machine you have to spin up, is it? It's networking. It's the correct and and and, and all the other stuff that comes with it. And that... yeah, exactly. So when you when and you're completely right, um, Alan, is when you create a um, a virtual machine, like you might want a static IP address, right? Because that's quite a simple, you know, that's quite a you know, you want to you want to know that the IP address isn't going to change. It's not inside of a dynamic pool, right? So you might want to attach a you know a static IP address to that thing. You might be bringing your own IP address, or you know, it might be the network security group, right? You know, where you're setting firewall rules. Well, not firewall rules. Let's just call it inbound. You know, inbound rules on a network security group, right? Like you want to say, oh, I want to close the SSH port, and I, you know, X, Y, and Z. It doesn't matter what the configuration is. But you're exactly right. It's not just the fact of you know what CPU, RAM, hard drives. You know has this has this virtual machine got? It's all the the other things around it. You know, do I need a what when I build my virtual machine? Do I also need a web application firewall and that the configuration of that web application firewall? So yeah, when you start to have this sort of uh, graph of dependent resources that all need to be built at the same time, um, you know that's not just one virtual machine in each region, you're then talking about five or six different things that you then maybe have to go and configure as well. Yeah, I mean, virtual machine has loads of things, but things like um, key vaults and things like that in 
other things don't necessarily need all all of that but yeah you might need to default some of it yeah and and i think it's it's worth it's worth just pointing out the example that i've used with basing a making a basic virtual machine there's very few actual use cases where you just need such a simple setup you know like the sort of applications that um that that we're now building there's many interconnected different services that we're using across the azure you know cloud stack it's not you know some more legacy applications yes it's like fire up a machine and we'll look after it and we'll monitor it and all of those things i mean this is this is a conversation about IaaS versus PaaS versus SaaS, I suppose. But you know, it's if you are if you are having to run your own infrastructure and manage your own infrastructure, um, you want to take as many human variables out of that infrastructure as you possibly can, right? You know, and this is that's that's exactly what infrastructure as code is doing for you. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I've I've heard of this as well from my side um, with Sentinel, Azure Sentinel, in that you can build your um, rules and everything in there using infrastructure as code. They've recently released that. Yeah, and I think um, I think it's just worth pointing out as well is is that under the hood, this is what the Azure portal is doing. You know, when you're clicking around in this um, in the interface, you're building like a JSON configuration file that they're then sending to the backend service to build the infrastructure. Right. So, so once you've built something, so uh, we'll talk about this later, but once you've built something, you can go. It's pretty much. Well, I, I'll say, say, take this with a grain of salt. But pretty much every single thing you can build in Azure, if not everything, I want to say everything, but I don't want to like you know, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. Um, you can go, you can go onto there, and you can see the actual configuration file, um, and see what Azure created when you rolled out that piece of infrastructure. So, uh, what I like to do is to let's say i want to set up a network security group well let's whatever it is let's say it's a network security group i go and build everything that i want in the admin interface and then i copy out the config that they've made for me and then use it as part of my arm template because it is exactly Brilliant. the same thing so so, so that's one way uh, and i mean i've sort of stumbled you know i've sort of moved ahead of what we we're going to talk about but you know there is also there's great resources out there to build arm templates as well but it's um but yeah, it's just good to, you know, it's just it's just good to know that they're using this under the hood. Yeah. Okay. So so why should we use infrastructure as code rather than going through the portal? Okay. I mean, apart from we've kind of talked about a few things like repeatability and a, and a bit like that, but what else okay. is there? Okay. So yeah, repeatability is the big one, right? Once you've got a known configuration, you can run that a hundred times, and you know, touch wood. Um, the computer should, you know, <laughs> the computer, um, you know, Azure should run the same, you know, if you run it a hundred times, it should do the same thing every single time. Um, what we could also do is because um, it's written as code, it's like a text file um, or say, say a JSON configuration file, uh, you can version that. So you can say, um, you can say, I'm going to store that in a, a source code repository. So I could put that say on GitHub. Um, and then when I make a change to it, I can see all the changes I made. I can put that into a review with other people. Um, I can put it into a staging environment and see how it works. And I can build versions of it. So we can actually see it's not a binary item. You know, when you make a change to it, you can't reconcile the changes that you've made. 
so you sort of have a documented history um, of the versions that you've been through with that infrastructure. So that's also really powerful in, in teams and getting people's opinions on infrastructure, um, which is really good. Um, I think speed is another massive one. Um, computers can deploy ARM templates a lot faster than anybody can click through the portal. Um, that is a challenge if anybody wants to ever uh, try that. But, you know, there's... You know, um, once you've built, yes, there is some downtime with actually building the template. But once you've built that template, you can run it very fast, um, which is which is really good. And speed leads me on to the last point about disaster recovery. So if in the event, and again, I'll touch wood, um, but if in the event that you had a catastrophic disaster scenario, let's say the whole of UK South was obliterated by, I don't know, a dinosaur extinction event level asteroid hitting it, right? Like as in if that, you know, and you're still alive at this point um, <laughs> and you need to bring up your whole infrastructure in another region, um, an ARM template could help you, you know, improve your disaster recovery response time. You know, it's not going to, you know, because where are you going to get your backups from? I'm not saying that it's, you know, this this, this be all and end all to your DR, you know, DR um, process, but you know, it can really help, you know, in that event that let's say you want to spin up a staging infrastructure, you know, before it might be like, oh, well, I, I would have to talk to IT to get that to, to get that done before. And I don't mean that if anybody from IT is listening, I don't want to make that seem like IT is slow. But, you know, when you could potentially spin up your own, you know, all you've got to do is just, you know, run that ARM template in a new resource group and you've got your own little mini environment set up there. So, yeah, it gives you it gives you an element of speed there and flexibility. Okay, so does that... Oh, you've already got it into the next bit, so I won't talk about it just now. But, um, well, what does that mean then for our... Um, does that mean that you know some of us are out of jobs because we don't have to click the buttons? Well, I'm sorry, Alan. Oh, no, I, no, I don't mean that. No, I don't mean like that. I think... Um, I think it's good to talk about... Um, it's, it's good, I think it's good to talk about a bit about DevOps now as well. Um, and if people don't... I don't think we've done an episode on DevOps. Maybe we should do an episode on DevOps yeah. because it's probably it's. I would say it's a hot topic. Um, it's very very popular. But the idea of DevOps is 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 bringing developers and ops like IT operations um, more closely um, engaged with each other. And really, that's about um, DevOps is main mainly about. Don't nobody shoot me, but. Um, it's mainly about um, speeding up your time to go live, right? You know, so if you've got a new application package and you want to deploy it to production, having to wait for IT to roll out that software package, you know, in a more traditional, large-scale corporate IT world um, could take time. And that's something that maybe you have to go through many meetings to get done and, and all of that sort of stuff. So DevOps has automated a lot of that pipeline so that once the developers are happy, um, and they've signed it off, it can go live to production in a secure environment. So, so yeah, so go on. Yeah. I was going to say, so is that talking about continuous delivery in? Yeah, so no. continuous integration, continuous delivery, whatever acronyms and names you want to give to it. It's basically, I've made a code change. Everybody around me has agreed that this is ready to go live. I press a button and it's on production in five minutes instead of sending a package to IT and getting them to upload it, right? Um, so, the pipeline, as they call it, is already carved. You know, uh, developers and IT uh, define that that pipeline together, 
well, a DevOps engineer now, that's an actual role, you know, like in some inside of organization, um, would define that pipeline and yeah, and they would think it. So, so this kind of follows on from this, you know, this, and I'm not saying that developers should be deploying infrastructure and they should be architecting this infrastructure. I'm not saying that at all. But if you take my example of a staging environment, a developer would be able to, inside of like their MSDN subscription, be able to fire up a test version for them to play with and to test on before having to get like IT involved. And then once the developer has worked out what all of the, you know, when they're developing the solution, they could be designing the infrastructure and they can use that on template as a basis to go to IT with how they would like it to be hosted. Yeah. And, um, and IT, so IT aren't out of the job because IT, well, IT, I suppose IT professionals are, um, we've talked about on-premise versus the cloud now, this whole cloud migration, IT is very different to how it used to be, right? There's a lot more software as a service in there than maybe there has ever been. Um, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it's, you know, this is putting people out of the job. I think this is because nobody wants infrastructure that's incorrectly configured, right? Because that causes everybody headaches. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and bringing up infrastructure is just one part of the IT, you know, of a, of a piece of software, the IT lifecycle of that software, you know, building the infrastructure is only one single part of that, you know, so. And, and spinning up hard or not hardware, but virtual appliances and things like that isn't, you know, it, it's a job, but it's not really the, you know, the fun job per se. You know, it's not looking at, well, for me, it wouldn't be anyway, but, yeah. um, you know, it, configuring it afterwards, making sure it's secure. I mean, you know, that's me coming from my side, but, yeah. you know, make sure the network's correct and things like that. That's, you know, interesting to people. Getting it to actually spin up the network, you know, no one really per se, per se cares. As long as it's there and it's at a you know, temp, uh, you know, in a standard form, and then it's ready to then add the extra rules in, etc. Yeah. Well, if you think about this though, is that yes, that bringing up of infrastructure might have been a manual job before, but that doesn't mean to say that an IT professional um, couldn't get on board and actually use ARM templates in production, right? Mm. And yeah, okay, yes. Instead of going into the um, going into the admin and working out you know, what network security rules are missing and then just going adding one manually, yeah? And maybe what they will do is they will add one manually and then go and update the template, you know, as a part of their low-level design documentation, right? Because, again, I suppose one big thing that I didn't talk about is infra as a code is, well, infrastructure as a code, I should say, is there's, like, documentation there, right? Mm. Like, everybody, anybody that understands, um, you know, an ARM template can open that and and see all of the different configuration and resources that are being um deployed as part of that template so so yeah and yeah so yeah go on yeah now i was just gonna say you know you just just talking about that making that change the other thing as well is that if something if a change is made you can always redeploy the template to overwrite the the changes yeah exactly, as well yeah. Yeah. so you, you've got change control there as well yeah exactly yeah and it's full life cycle and I, we'll talk about we can talk about different um, we can talk about different tools and things like that for the whole life cycle. But yes, you're completely right. It's not just about creating the infrastructure in the first instance. There is also change control in there. Um, okay, cool. So, what infrastructure code players are out there? 
Okay, so obviously this is called the Azure Let's Talk Azure podcast, so we're going to talk about um, thingy, but other cloud providers do exist out there in the world, and they do have their own their own tools, and there's some really good cross-platform tools as well, which okay. are worth talking about. So AWS has CloudFormation. Um, obviously, that's kind of their version of um, ARM templates. Um, there's um, Chef, Puppet. Um, they're, 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 they've been around for years, um, and Chef and Puppet are really popular, um, and they're in, in the more unix like arena right like definitely you know um so so they've been around for ages but i suppose the other big like elephant in the room here is terraform right and um hashicorp um well they make some insane some insane tools right but um terraform you may have heard of it is 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 infrastructure as a code but platform agnostic Oh, okay. So if you know Terraform and Terraform has a connector for your cloud platform, then you can write infrastructure as a code in Terraform language. It's, you know, it is still, you know, it is still like JSON files and, you know, in, in, in basic yeah. configuration. Uh, but if you, if you, if you follow the Terraform uh, format, then it doesn't really matter what cloud platform you are. So one of the really, um, I suppose one of the big things for me is it's it's one of these uh, decisions that do you go with your cloud native solution? Like if, if you're a Microsoft, you know, if you're a Microsoft partner and all you do is Microsoft, then should you go for ARM templates or should you learn as a professional, should I learn Terraform? Because... If I was to change my job and the next company that I went to work for happened to use Terraform, then that would be, you know, that could be a, another skill set that I could bring to that organization, you know, um, and, t you know, and the more uh, there's one, there's also two things as well is, is, is Chef and Puppet and um, Chef and Puppet are also about configuration, like making playbooks of what's what's actually configured on those servers we'll talk about how you build images and everything like that so i would say and if anybody from microsoft is listening that's in the arm you know in the arm product group i would say that those tools are more um feature rich in terms of large orga uh, orchestration of many different systems okay they've been around for a lot longer there's a lot you know, there's there's been a lot more development in those systems. So, so, so there are more about post configuration. Is that right? Both. So, right. So, okay. so, so, so from the Microsoft world, then that will be desired state configuration. Then probably correct. And we'll also talk about image builder and things like that. So, um, so I'm not saying with Azure based products, you know, and services, you can't get to the level of configuration that you need for your infrastructure as what Chef, Puppet, or Terraform could get you. Uh, but what I'm, all, the only thing I'm saying is, is that if you learn Puppet, then you know Puppet. And it doesn't matter if your company uses Azure or AWS. So if I'm a, if I'm a DevOps, or it, well, if I'm an infrastructure and DevOps engineer, what am I going to learn? You know, and uh, when I... When I uh, Earlier on, when I used to use Azure, 
I used to use a lot of Terraform because I already knew it. So it kind of, and because like Terraform, like one of my products, um, we started building on DigitalOcean because of the price difference with Azure, right? So, and we needed, we needed like 600 virtual cores and it just like made a lot more sense to be on DigitalOcean at that time. So what Terraform allowed us to do is be on DigitalOcean and then when I wanted to go to Azure and I use low priority VMs, I could just change my Terraform connector and I could do the same thing again. So there is a massive benefit there. And I I, I included this in the notes because I wanted to explain it because it's not a one size all fits thing. You know, when you're talking about infrastructure as code, I mean, you could just have a whole episode on just infrastructure as code, but it is worth knowing that these other products exist. And a lot of them are... Um, are open source and they are community maintained so yeah i guess there's no wrong way of doing it it's just like you said it depends if you're no, all, and... if you're all one cloud provider you know you're an aws engineer you're an azure engineer if if your infrastructure uses any specific azure technology like let's say you use web application firewall right that is an azure product yeah you can't deploy that to AWS or your own infrastructure, right? Um, then you're already, you know, use, let's say you use Cosmos DB for your backend data storage. You've already made the decision to go with that cloud provider. So, you know, does it really matter that, you know, your infrastructure is a code? You know, I think it's, it's all to do with your company. Like if your company is going to be on, a, if you think you're going to migrate away from, let's say, your current cloud provider and go to someone else. If you think that your company is that agile, like as in, or wants to make that change, then it would make sense for you to use industry agnostic, you know, tools yeah. to allow you to move. But, you know, if you're doing work for a company that is Microsoft, 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 and they are Office 365 and everything is Windows, then you're probably going to want to use Microsoft tooling for that because it's going to be the most integrated it's the reason why I use Visual Studio because it's most integrated, you know. So it, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, what's the pros then of using ARM templates or some of them anyway? Okay. So, I think the biggest one is it's developed by Microsoft and fully integrated with Azure, right? It is the first party solution to infrastructure as a code. Um, and like, and like Microsoft. you said, um, you know, they use it. It's part of their build process anyway. Completely right. So, you know, if if you want support, and, and this is the thing as well, is there's there's always a difference between what us technical professionals think we can do, you know, and say, we can say, yeah, we'll build that in Terraform. That's cool. But then on a Friday afternoon, not a Friday afternoon, because we don't deploy on Friday afternoons anymore, <laughs> on a Monday afternoon, right? On a Monday afternoon, you're trying to push out a thing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Terraform. Please don't take this as this at all. But I'm just using that. I'm going to use them as an example, okay? Terraform, open source project. Unless you've got support from HashiCorp, you just go, okay, I'll use Terraform because it's cloud agnostic. What happens when you can't get it working on that Monday afternoon, right? You know, and if you're the sort of large organization that's got like a fully dedicated premier support with Microsoft and blah, 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 then you have legitimate access to the actual professionals that build this because it's within their best interest for you to continue to 
tease it. So I think that's also uh, a really good point about you have to think about your whole IT strategy and the partners that you've got and the support that you've got with your IT strategy because that will really dictate what technologies that you can use. If you're a startup and you've got no money and you don't know which cloud you're going to end up on because you just had $10,000 worth of free Azure credits, right, given to you just randomly, or you've got, you know, is it BizSpark? I think it's BizSpark or whatever. However, you know, and you don't know what cloud provider you're going to end up on, then maybe ARM templates aren't the right thing for you. But if you're .NET and you're always, you know, you're the IT professional and you're going to always be on Azure, then why not use ARM templates? Because there's great documentation yeah. and it's it's thing. So it's a really, you know, it's not to say, yeah, it's not to say that it's not worth using. Um, and I think also the tooling for ARM templates is great. Um, I've included in the show notes here, armviz.io. Um, so what armviz does, I believe there's a Visual Studio Code extension as well for this. Um, okay. for ARMviz um, and I think it's just exactly the same thing but you can paste in your ARM template and then you can um, you can visualize it so you can actually see and you see like a big sort of diagram of how everything connects to each other and everything like that um, so you can actually sort of build um, and visualize your infrastructure I don't think you can drag and drop um, on ARMviz I don't think you can like select from a palette and then it will build it up for you. I think it's just a visualization tool of what your um, your current thing is. So, yeah, and I'm sure there are visualization tools for the other providers as well. It's just this is what I use now day to day. So, you know, this is this is this is sort of my world now. Um, and I think that's I think that's really it because I think most of the I think most of the pros of ARM templates come from the fact that their infrastructure is a code, not necessarily the fact that ARM templates are the best infrastructure as a code. Um, yeah. Provider. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Image Builder. Okay, so um, so it's all well and good building your infrastructure, right, as code. Um, but how do you, um, you know, build the configuration of the actual virtual machine image, right? And I'm talking specifically about. Um, you know, virtual machines here because they need, you know, if, if you bring up a pass solution, like let's say you bring up app service, you can configure that with just configuration, right? But when you're talking about bringing up an actual virtual machine, you have to make sure that that virtual machine, when it's brought up, is has got like the latest version of the packages that you need on it, right? And you know, it's been configured so that it automatically patches itself and that that virtual machine has got your endpoint monitoring software on it already. Yeah. Um, so what you can do, and this is currently in preview, is use Azure Image Builder. And if you use like Terraform, you'll know this is this comes this is basically the identical to Packer. And um, what these what these do is it allows you to um, to build um, um, Azure virtual machine images that are then used by your ARM templates. So you you basically create a um, like a JSON template of all the steps that you're going to go through. So you're going to say like right, okay, I want to build a, I want to build an image of uh, like an Ubuntu machine. So what you're going to say is you're going to say like okay, um, I'm going to base this this image off of a you know. Um, an A1 instance or an F1 instance or whatever it is. And then once it's booted up, 
I'm going to run these commands and install this software. You know, so you might like if you were talking about Ubuntu, like the first thing you pretty much like the hello world of Ubuntu is doing apt get update, apt get upgrade, apt get dist upgrade, right? Like that's, you know, you want to bring that image um, like up to its, you know, you just want to patch the base image, you know, as soon as you're on there, right? Yep. Um, and you don't want to have to do that for every single virtual machine you bring up, right? Um, but also, once you've made that virtual machine image, it's kind of out of date. It's not out of date, but you're going to need to refresh it maybe every, maybe you want to refresh it every month, right? You know, or every two weeks. Depends on what your IT process is. But, you know, so you're saying, okay, you know, the 1st of October, we make this image and then we're going to say, okay, on the 1st of November, we're going to build another image, base image, and then we're going to replace our infrastructure with this new base image that's there, right? Um, well, once you've built the configuration for Azure Image Builder first, you can rerun it whenever you want. So this is like the actual configuration of the machine. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, and this is, it's it's very similar to Packer. I don't even know. It might even be the same actual It underlying. says, it does say it's, um, it's it, built yeah. on the, the Packer. Yeah, exactly. And Packer has, uh, you know, and, and Packer is built by HashiCorp, which is kind of part of the Terraform family. Um, but Packer is open source. Um, and Packer, so I have used Packer before with ARM templates, you know, in the in the in the past to get my VHDs created. And then what can happen is, is once you've built your package, you can version it like with code and you can say this is the, you know, the October release of the software. Um, and then it's available in your Azure like VM image gallery. Oh, in a sorry, in Azure shared image gallery. So you can then say, so you know, if you're like the, um, let's say you've got a uh, a piece of software that you deploy, and you're part of the team that handles the hosting infrastructure, it could be somebody's responsibility just to keep the image up to date, you know, and making sure that the image is, you know, um, so that when you want to bring up a new copy of the infrastructure, it doesn't take ages and you're not, you know, using a six months out of date image that needs to be patched, you know, um, you're doing all of that work ahead of time. And also at that point, you can then do your QA to make sure that that new infrastructure works, you know. Um, so I think it's really important to, 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 to know that as well. Um, I don't I don't really want to go through image image builder too much um but basically it's that post infrastructure configuration you know um and making sure um you're keeping your your image library up to date yes i guess this is kind of i mean this is talking about your builds and things like that but this is kind of the how you build your your endpoint for your users the image building for that to then put onto your laptops and everything and the the task sequences and configuration manager is how i kind of see this in my yeah. world anyway yeah exactly yeah yeah so um i think it's thing and to also just um talk about um i just want to just swing back a second because i have just mi i have missed a quite a big element as well um of arm templates so whenever you see a button saying deploy to azure right that is where people are talking about um, using ARM templates. So what you'll find is Microsoft will provide loads of um, quick start templates. 
So an example of this is Moodle. I don't know, Alan, have you heard of Moodle before? I have a little bit, yeah. So Moodle is a uh, a VLE, a virtual learning environment, um, which a lot of in the U. Well, it's it. I think I think Moodle comes from Australia. Actually, I think that's where the um, the company that originally built an open sourced Moodle. Uh, but it's an open source PHP uh, virtual learning environment, and you can imagine um, Moodle itself is pretty big. It's been around for a long time, right? And it's got many revisions. It's got so many modules that you can plug into it, right? Um, it's 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 a pretty big beast. Um, it's 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 relatively, I'm gonna air quotes again, easy to host. It's not too much of a hog, um, but when you're talking about, you know, the first week of like everybody going back to university, you can imagine the sort of load that these virtual learning environments get. Um, so setting up uh, and and Moodle is, uh, what's the best way to describe it? It's it's a it's quite a simplistic web app, but there are a few things that you need to think about with Moodle because I'll give you an example. It uses like file-based caching, um, and if you've got two web servers, they have to use the same file system. So how does that work? Like when you've got two completely separate, um, or you've got a scale set, right? So so the the quick start got you know um, Microsoft actually well Azure the Azure team actually provides some quick start templates for for Moodle, um, and what that'll do is it'll bring up like an auto scaling web tier for you. It'll bring up Postgres for your database. It'll bring up Gluster, um, a Gluster um, your virtual disk so that you can share uh, files between these servers. Um, Azure Redis cache, um, Elasticsearch. And all sorts of other, you know, bits that you need. Create the subnets for you, um, and the load balancers that you need. So imagine, you know, specking out that architecture and then manually building that, right? And then, you know, let's say that your hosting requirements become even bigger, and you need a third server, right? So you've got two, maybe two load balanced, you know, web tiers. Let's say you need a third because of load. Right, you know how are you going to bring that online? How is your change control going to happen with that? Um, and and Microsoft give you these auto start templates, so quick start templates. So if you're ever thinking about hosting, let's say you've just been given an app that you need to host inside your organization, always have a look and see if you can find like Azure quick start templates for um, for the app that you're thinking. Because like for the Moodle one, um, they give you like different levels that you can build with. Um, so you can say, right, you know, they say like, if you're a small, you know, if you're a small organization, you should go with this. If you're an absolutely massive organization with like 6,000 active users, then, you know, you should, you should use these. So, um, that's the only other thing as well is, is Microsoft like want people to deploy those, um, uh, Microsoft want to obviously Microsoft want consumption of Azure, right? So they're going to give you as much information as you can to bring those workloads to Azure. And, so, and simplify it for you. Oh, without a doubt, you know, because, um, you know, if, if, if you're somebody in IT that has never seen Moodle before or care what it is or what it does, um, finding somebody to help you to spec out that infrastructure can be can be quite daunting and maybe you've got a partner that would would help you with that anyway uh, but it's also good to know how you could maybe do that yourself so yeah so i think that's i think that's pretty much it for me unless you, have you got any other questions there no i think you've covered everything yeah i mean you know tldr 
well, you did listen. You got to the end. Um, you know, is that you know, infrastructure as a code is 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 a really positive thing. I think for the whole industry, it's something that you know gives us versioning, repeatability, performance, scalability, um, and Microsoft have the tools for that. So um, I would, you know, I would I would encourage you to go out and learn whatever infrastructure as a code um platform is right for you um arm templates i think are a really good starting point and then if you wanted to experiment with something like you know terraform and take things a little bit more nuts or or multi-platform if you're in a scenario where you've got multi you know cloud provider terraform's pretty much your only you know not only there are others but that's the big one that people sort of gravitate to yeah cool, cool. okay all right yeah um, have you got any news or anything for this week, Al? Um, no, I haven't got anything new. It's still, there's obviously been a load of stuff come out of Ignite, hasn't there? So there's not been anything new yeah. per se coming out. I've seen a few things, but I can't talk about it yet. Uh, so. uh, in, in other news, my wife Annie, she did her um, her uh, challenge. Uh, what did, I can't remember which one she did. She did the security challenge um, oh, yeah. night, and uh, she, yesterday she got her free exam through. Nice. Um, so yeah, so that 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 actually happened, and she completed that challenge. Um, it's interesting because when we were talking about because she's doing going to do AZ nine hundred, and um, I know your reaction to that was like AZ nine hundred. It's really boring, right? And um, when she was, it's interesting because was the cha- I think it was the challenge was security and identity. I think identity. And there was security. a couple, but yeah. I can't remember which one she did exactly, um, but she was like, that was so much better than doing AZ-900. And I was like, yeah, because you're actually like, you know, learning real, like, you know, actual technologies. And she was like, oh, is this what Alan does? And I was like, yeah, you basically (laughs) can just do Al's job now. And and so, yeah, we had a bit of a chuckle with that. So, um, but yeah, but it took ages because she did it. And, you know, Azure, that, that thing like ended a few weeks ago mm. um, but she finally got it yesterday so if you if anybody else is waiting um then they should be coming through very imme- you know immediately so um so they should come through um but yeah yeah i don't really have any um i mean congratulations obviously to annie for you know getting through her um security challenge she set herself a yeah a, a timeline to get her 900 done and then hopefully on to um i think she's gonna go on to 104 so yeah so cool. Hopefully, fingers crossed. That'd be awesome. Um, so yeah, that's the only bit of news I've really got. I don't really have anything. Um, I don't really have anything else. There, like like you said, when when there's a massive update, um, it's just like yeah, we did a whole episode on news. So I apologise to anybody that wanted that some actual like tangible like knowledge from our brains from that. Um, it was just a regurgitation session, but it's um. But yeah, I, I, I yeah, I, I haven't really got anything on my side. No. Cool. Okay, let's wrap it up there then. Um, thanks ever so much, Alan, for your time and 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 for chatting with us. Um, obviously, yeah. I know it was sort of me talking about ARM templates, but I hope you you've also learned something as well. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go and uh, well, this, probably this week I'll probably start looking at it for the stuff I'm doing. Um, yeah, well, you're on your own now, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, um, but yeah, thanks, thanks for listeners. You're still listening. Yeah, we um, we can see you. Uh, we appreciate you um, definitely. So thank we're, you. Thank we're a little you. bit delayed, weren't we? This one, you, you we were... was. I had um, a slight illness. Um, not <laughs> not what everybody might think it is, um, but I don't know how I caught 
myself a cold when I'm supposed to be um, keeping myself away from COVID. But anyway, um, but yeah, so we we were supposed to we were supposed to record. I think it was last last week, about yeah. a week ago, wasn't it? And um, I I I couldn't really talk properly, so I just didn't think it would be a very nice episode <laughs> <laughs> for anybody. Um, what's happening? Our next topic. Let's just have a quick old look at this one. Oh my oh, word! Oh, Office Online is. Oh. Fail, Microsoft. <laughs> Give me what I need. Oh, ah, there it is. Um, okay, so ARM templates. Okay, we're going to talk about virtual machines um, next time. So, what virtual machines are, um, why we use them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Kind of like our ARM templates um, chat as well. So, yeah, that should be coming very soon. Okay. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much, everybody, for listening, and thanks, Al, and I'll speak to you all later. Yep, cheers Sam. See you everyone. Bye. Um